Thanks for tuning in to our Neighborhood Church podcast. Join us on Sunday at any of our locations. To learn more about our church, visit neighborhoodchurch.com or download our church app. Well, good morning. We, uh, we talk about things about people who uh, are favorite things to eat. We're eating uh, Easter dinner a couple of years ago, and my kid, we had lamb that day, and one of my grandkids took a bite of that, and they said, Papa, what is this? And I said, it's lamb. They said, it's, it's lamb? <laughs> like a little lamb? And they spit it out. It was kind of a fun experience. But welcome to Resurrection Sunday. On this day in history, Jesus rose from the dead. He is risen. Oh, you're getting better at that. That was the response throughout the ancient church as people would exclaim the reality of Jesus raising from the dead. And we are so glad that you have come and are joined with us to celebrate, whether you're here in person or online, and we're excited you're here. My name is Mike, one of the pastors here, and we believe, we believe Jesus has risen from the dead, proving that he is the high, holy Messiah the Bible speaks of, our one true king, our leader, and our Lord. And for those of us who believe we are connected and part of God's family, Jesus's kingdom, we know Jesus's teachings and his life example and his death and his resurrection are all true. You know, knowing is important. It's how we live. We spend much of life gaining knowledge so we can learn how to have a job and be in relationships and navigate the internet, speak, read, write, make decisions, have faith, travel, produce music, cook, drive, grow in faith, and most everything in life we need to know. Knowing is important. And how many of us have forgotten a password? How many of you have forgotten a password <laughs> or a combination? Uh, knowing unlocks so much in life. In learning and increasing in knowledge, there is a point where learning becomes personal, where we have that aha moment and it all seems to click like when we finally learn how to ride a bike or drive a car or that moment we get to know how to solve that problem or that realization that new life hack or life helping practice actually that works and when we navigate a new job or task our task becomes natural second nature that's that aha moment or when we finally comprehend that God really does love us or we get to that place of belief that it is all true about Jesus and his life and his death and his resurrection. We are inspired, energized, encouraged, and empowered. And life seems to have more purpose and more meaning and a greater sense of hope. Now, sure, these, uh, that sense of these aha moments are tied to our emotions, but it's more than a feeling it's a deeper sense of knowing that is based on truth. It's bringing the brain knowledge to a heart knowledge. And if you're accustomed with the Bible and know the New Testament's written mostly in Greek, there are two main Greek words for knowledge. One speaks of brain knowledge, that's the word gnosko, and one speaking of heart knowledge, which is epigonosko. And we'll talk more about that as we go through that. But that heart knowledge, that epigonosko knowledge, that aha moment knowledge inspires us on. The resurrection of Jesus was one such event that moved people from just knowing about Jesus 
to making that knowledge more personal and truly believing Jesus is all who he said he is and that the Bible reveals. For he is risen. There is an interesting recorded instance of two people walking away from Jerusalem towards Emmaus on this very day in history. They encountered the risen Jesus and have one of those life-changing aha moments. The story is found in Luke chapter 24, verses 13 to 35, where we find four ways to go deeper with the truth of Jesus. For to take to heart the truth of Jesus' resurrection is life-giving and life-changing. So I'd like for us this morning on this wonderful Easter Sunday to look in on what happened on that road to Emmaus and let's look what happened and, and see that. And, and, but before we do, if you wouldn't mind standing to your feet and let's pray and ask God uh, to encourage us. Um, Father God, thank you for bringing us here this morning on this wonderful Easter Sunday. Lord, we, we look at, we're going to look into your word and we want you to teach us and encourage us. Lord, may those of us who are been to church a lot, believers may be inspiring to us. Those of us who are seeking or searching are here because we're not really sure why, Lord, that we may move one step closer to you and understand you a bit more. Use this time, encourage us. May it be encouraging and helpful, we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. You can have a seat, and I encourage you to take out the worship folder that you were handed as you walked in. There's a card inside there. That's really precious to us. We'd love for you to put down a prayer request on the back of that. And when the offering comes along to be able to drop that in there, we'd love to pray with, for you and with you. So if you wouldn't mind doing that, it'd be great. There's a uh, outline here. There's some blanks to fill in. The answers will be up on the screen. Those of you online, you can get this online as well. And being that uh, I tend to give out a lot of extra verses and particularly this Sunday, there's probably, I, this is the most verses I've ever given out on any one Sunday. So if you're tired of writing them down, that's okay, because in the back, out of these double doors, right to your right, there's a resource table. There's, a, there's this, this paper called a study guide is there, and all those verses are listed on there. Uh, if you're online, you can get this online as well, but I encourage you to pick this up because you'll want to look up these verses. We're not going to go through and read every single one, but I'll give you the reference and you can look at them later. Because our hope is, is that you would take this time in God's word and actually kind of throughout the week, go through these different passages and see that what we said is really true. And then, and maybe even expand reading the verses around that to help you in your study. We have a section on our webpage called revive, and it has a lot of different links on there. It also has a, the, the study guide and a lot of stuff that's available. There's also a link to a podcast that we do most each week where we take the things that we talk about in Sunday and expand on them a little bit more. Well, in this passage, this story in Luke uh, chapter 24, those two Greek words of knowledge are found. And, and we will bring them out later. But it was this Sunday and all the events of the week had happened. Jesus had ridden into Jerusalem on what we call Palm Sunday or, uh, or the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. It was an incredible moment. Palms were being waved, coats on the ground, people yes, shouting out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And it was amazing. They were talking about all the miracles and the teachings that Jesus had done. And it was an incredible time. Some there in the crowd thought that Jesus was going to set up his kingdom right then and there. Kick out Rome and it would all be beautiful. Jesus came to actually conquer a greater enemy, sin. And all throughout the week, different things happened. Now we 
here at this church uh, uh, celebrated what happened on Thursday night. We gathered together for kind of a meal upper room experience where Jesus and his disciples encountered the Passover and spent some time at that. There was great opportunity, some incredible teachings. We even practice one of those teachings every time we do communion. And it's an incredible time. And, and it was a wonderful time. Jesus washed the feet of his disciples, even Judas, the one who would betray him. He washed his feet. And early in the morning on Friday, they went to the garden to pray. Jesus knew what was going to happen to him. It wasn't long after that, that Judas came with a whole host of guards with spears and swords and torches and betrayed Jesus with a kiss. And he was taken away and went through a horrible, horrible reality of being beaten and whipped and scourged and mocked at and then finally hung up on a cross. And as we gathered here on Friday, we call it Good Friday, but really nothing good happened that day that they knew of at that moment. Jesus hung up on a cross and breathed his last and screamed out, it is finished, which is the Greek word to tell a story, meaning paid in full. Because what's good about Good Friday is that Jesus paid the penalty for our sin on the cross. And now it's Sunday. And two of Jesus' followers were walking away from Jerusalem chatting. And something amazing happened. In this, we find these four ways to grow deeper and go deeper in the truth of Jesus for to take to heart. The truths of Jesus's resurrection is life giving and life changing. The first of these four ways to go deeper is to know the details of the resurrection. So if you have your Bible, uh, you can turn to Luke chapter 24, verse 13. If you don't have your Bible, that's okay. I'll just read it for you. Just sit back and listen. Verse 13, this first part, verse 13 to 24. That very day, meaning Sunday, there, uh, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking, about, talking with each other about all the things that had happened from Thursday to Friday to even Sunday morning, because there were some reports that people went to the grave and there was no Jesus. His body was not there. And while they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. Now, I don't know whether Jesus had on nose and glasses, you know, or or some kind of weird mask, or or they just could not recognize him because Jesus did his uh, amazing, miraculous move, and they couldn't. But he said to them, what is this conversation that you are holding as you walk with each other? And they stood still looking sad. And one of them named Cleopas answered, are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know? Now that word know is that word gnosko, head knowledge. Know the things that have happened there these days. Like, I mean, there was a whole talk of the town what happened because people were seeing the alive Jesus walking around. And and then I love how Jesus is. And he said, what things? (laughs) And they said to him concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a mighty prophet and indeed and were before God and all people and how the chief priests and the rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucifixion. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. And yes, besides all this, 
It is now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women from our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning. And when they went and when they did, they did not find his body. They came back saying they had even seen a vision of angels who had said he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see him. You see, Jesus had been brutalized. Horrible reality of down in the Roman guards had just beat him senseless. You could hardly even recognize him, smashing a crown of thorns on his head. Uh, he went through a scourging, which was a cat of nine tails that would uh, whip with nine ends on it with bits of bone and metal ripped over your back so your flesh would be exposed. And it was horrible, then strung up on a cross where he eventually gave up his life. Please know that Jesus was not murdered. He gave up his life willingly. And we'll talk about how this all fits into God's story in a moment. But he died and was buried in a tomb. And yet on this third day, Jesus was very much alive. It was not just a few who saw the resurrected Jesus. It was many. I just want to list for you a few of them. And I'm going to go right down the list. Mary Magdalene near the tomb in Jerusalem saw Jesus. Mark chapter 16, verse 9. John chapter 20, verses 11 to 18. Peter near Jerusalem saw him later that day. Luke chapter 24, verse 34. And 1 Corinthians 15, 5. In our story, two disciples going to Emmaus on that day. Mark 16, 12. And in our passage in Luke chapter 24, verses 13 to 35. The apostles that evening in Jerusalem, except for Thomas saw him, Mark 16, 14, John 20, verses 19 and 25. And then the apostles with Thomas, eight days later, saw him in Jerusalem. John chapter 20, verses 26 to 29. Thomas had his aha moment at that time. Seven disciples fishing by the Sea of Galilee, John 21, verses 1 to 13. Eleven disciples on the mountain of Galilee, Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 to 18. Over 500, 500, that's like three, well, almost two times this amount, three times this amount of people, saw him at once, 1 Corinthians 15, 6. James saw him in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. It's cited there. The apostles and probably others prior to his ascension in Acts chapter 1, verses 2 and 3. Many on the Mount of Olives near Bethany at his ascension, Luke chapter 24, verses 50 to 51. Acts chapter 1, verses 6 to 12. Stephen the martyr saw him in Acts chapter 7, verses 55 and 56. Saul, who later became Paul on the road to Damascus, saw him. Acts chapter 9, verses 3 to 6. And 1 Corinthians 15, verses 8 to 9. And then John on the island of Patmos, as he penned the Bible book of the Revelation, saw Jesus. Revelation chapter 1, verse 9 to 19. There is no questioning. Jesus had risen from the dead. He was very much alive. Actually, it was an accepted fact. People could say all they wanted. Oh, Jesus didn't raise from the dead. And 200 people would say, no, I saw him. I saw him alive. Many even ate with him, hung out with him, saw the nail prints in his hands and the print in his side. Even Paul who was giving a defense years later to King Agrippa spoke of Jesus resurrection as a known reality. And it was not shut down or dismissed by the King. 
Acts chapter 26, verses 23 to 28. Actually, the king was being persuaded coming to that heart knowledge of belief. It was a known reality then, and it is today. Jesus rose from the dead. And if it were not so, all they had to do was show the body of the dead Jesus, parade it through the streets and say, this is all false, but they could not because there was no body in that tomb. There's just too much evidence. Now people have tried to deny this all throughout history, but the evidence is overwhelming. Even in Jewish tradition, when it says that what is truth, all you need is two or three witnesses. There are hundreds Hundreds of people saw Jesus alive. Now, sure, people then and now just don't want to believe Jesus rose from the dead because of the implications. For knowing and accepting this truth is to say that all Jesus taught is true and that there is a God. And if there is a God, we need to figure out how to relate to him and interact with him. And actually, the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, that whole chapter, some 50 plus verses says, if there is no resurrection, there's no faith. We're all a bunch of idiots gathering today. But it is true. For Jesus even said he would rise. Matthew chapter 9, verses 30 to 34. And Matthew chapter, excuse me, Mark chapter 9, verses 30 to 34. And Matthew chapter 17, verses 22 to 23. Jesus is no liar. The resurrection can be that aha moment where our hearts are engaged and we sense that verification and that guarantee of all that Jesus taught and promised because the resurrection did happen. In that, hope is realized and experienced. When we move into that heart knowledge with the truth of Jesus' resurrection, to know that it's true. The question is, do you? Now, sure, it's going to take a bit of faith. But just as much faith as you believe some historical event happened. Well, you say, Mike, I, th- those have eyewitness accounts of it and they're proven. Hello? I just listed over 500 plus people who saw Jesus alive. Eyewitness accounts. There's more evidence that Jesus rose from the dead than some of our historical facts that we hang on to and build life upon. See, to take to heart the truth of Jesus' resurrection is life-giving and life-changing. And if you're not sure, investigate it. There's a number of people, I, I love just different, these different stories. Josh McDowell, he wanted to disprove Jesus and the resurrection. So he began to uh, explore that. And he wrote a book called The Evidence Demands a Verdict. And he came to faith in Jesus. And you can read it if you want to. It's a pretty thick book. There's also another book that, that, that is uh, from Lee Strobel. Many of you know of his stories. It was a TV or a movie put out by him. He was an investigative reporter seeking to disprove Jesus and the resurrection. And as he went and did his uh, investigative reporting skills to look into it, he came to a saving knowledge of Jesus and truly said, there is more facts of this than many facts of history. If you want to read the book, the case for Christ is there. And and also there's a case for the resurrection. And that's what we give out. If you're looking even today and you want to say, hey, I want to grab one of those resources. Well, one of those booklets is in in these packets. It'll be at the end of the doors uh, there. If you're not sure about the resurrection of Jesus, make sure, investigate it, explore it, Come to that place of belief. Well, the disguised Jesus then goes on to challenge these people on the road to Emmaus 
to know Jesus, to know God's story. Verse 25 of Luke chapter 24. And he said to them, oh, foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets had spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses, meaning the first five books of the Bible, and all the prophets, that's most of the rest of the Old Testament, he interpreted to them all the scriptures and the things concerning himself. Jesus went through much of the Old Testament and explained how Jesus is part of God's story, that God created humanity to be connected with him, and yet sin separated holy God and now sinful man. Isaiah 59, 2 says, by our iniquities, we are separated from God. Romans 3, 23 says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Each one of us have this problem. Every human being has this problem. We're born with it. And Romans 6, 23 says, for the wages of sin is death. In other words, that if we don't take care of that gap, get connected with God, we won't enjoy heaven after we die. We can't enjoy a relationship with God now. And we really won't fill out our purpose in life. So God set into motion a restoration plan, a leader, a king, Messiah, God himself squeezed into the tininess of a human to live among us and be the ultimate atoning sacrifice for our sin because all the sin of the world was dumped on him on the cross and he paid that price by dying, but he didn't stay dead. (laughs) And that's why we're here today. As Jesus now walked through all of that from the Old Testament, these people saw it and they had their aha moment that Jesus is the Messiah, their Lord, their King. I love uh, one of the disciples, Thomas. You know, all the, all the, the disciples, including some others, saw Jesus in the upper room that night. But Thomas was not there. We're not sure what he was doing, but he wasn't there. And they're all talking it up. Man, we saw Jesus alive. He's alive. Can you believe it? And Thomas goes, I, I, he wasn't there. He goes, I'm, I'm not going to believe it till I see the nail prints in his hand and see the sword print in his side. Then I'll believe. Well, eight days later, they're all in the upper room and Thomas is there. And all of a sudden, whoosh, Jesus shows up. And they all kind of part and Thomas is standing there and Jesus comes right up to him and goes, look. And it never says that Thomas actually touched his nail prints, but I'm sure he went to his knees and he said, my Lord and my God, he got it. He had his aha moment right there. We can have that same moment for each of us can know and embrace the truth like Thomas and these two. And in that there is hope. And hope is realized and experienced when we move into that heart knowledge with the truth of Jesus' resurrection. No, it's true. Yes, it takes a purpose to step. For to take to heart the truth of Jesus' resurrection is both life-giving and life-changing. The next way to go deeper with this truth of Jesus is to know Jesus. Look at now verses 28 to 32. It says here, so they drew near as they're walking along to this road. They drew near to the village to which they were going to Emmaus. And he acted as if he was going to go farther, but they urged him strongly stay with us. See, that's the step. Stay with Jesus. 
It's so easy to kind of grow distant from him. And some of you may be there. Maybe you've come back to church on a Sunday going, you know, I know there's something about this Jesus, but I really haven't stayed with him that much. The encouragement here is to stay with Jesus. That's a step. They said, stay with us for it is toward the evening and the day is far apart. So he went in and stayed with them and he was at the table with them and he took the bread and he blessed it and he broke it and he gave it to them and their eyes were opened and they recognized him. That word recognized is that Greek word epigonosco. They had an aha moment. They recognized him and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, didn't our hearts burn within us while he was talking to us on the road? And when he opened the scriptures, they recognized it's more than just gathering some facts, but internalizing those facts to where we get it. That sense of understanding and how it fits together. The aha moment, the sight of the alive Jesus validated and confirmed all that Jesus said and taught and claimed to be true. And Jesus has made a number of claims. He claimed to be the giver of eternal life in John chapter 10, verse 28, that he is our way to heaven. In in, in Mark chapter two, verse 10, he is the one who forgives our sin and satisfies sin's debt. In John 6, 35, he is called the bread of life. He's the one who provides for us. And not only that, he's called the good shepherd in John 10, 11. He's the one who can guide and can help. In John 8, 58, he's called the great I am, which means that Jesus is God. Again, squeezed into the tininess of man. He's called the light of the world in John 8, 12, which means Jesus can show us the way. He's the door of salvation that only through him is salvation. We can't earn it in any way. It's only through faith in him. He is the savior, according to John 3, verses 14 and 16 through 16. He is Messiah, as John 4, 26 says, and really all of scripture attests to. He is healer, Luke 18, verse 42. That means Jesus can heal and help us in life. And the greatest claim Jesus ever made is in John 14, 6, where Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. And in this momentary sighting of the resurrected Jesus, It gave them that aha moment. They were feeling it before as their hearts burned, but they stepped into that deeper recognizing faith because they knew it all to be true. The question is, have you stepped into that recognizing Jesus and know who he is? Recognizing the truth and the life that's in him. You can, it just takes a step into an aha moment of belief. Belief is saying, okay, I get it. And I'm going to now take strides in faith towards it, towards a relationship with God, towards aligning life his way, towards learning how he wants us to live. And that is where real life happens. The life that you were meant to live. And hope is both realized and experienced for we have moved into the, that heart knowledge with the truth of Jesus's resurrection. No, it's true. For to take to heart the truth of Jesus's resurrection is life-giving and life-changing. And to go deeper in faith is to know the details of the resurrection, to know God's story, to know Jesus, and then to live in light of that knowledge. Look at the last few verses 
of our story here, our text here, verse 33 to 35. And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem. They found the 11 and those who were gathered together saying, the Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. And they told what had happened to them on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of bread. They had to respond. It was all true. The resurrection was and is proof positive and the verification that it's all true. The resurrection was and is the guarantee that all that Jesus taught about saving us from our sins and guiding us in life, the bread of life and all those things are true. It's the verification of that. It's the guarantee of that. Any of you ever gone to Costco? Okay. Some of you have or any store. And what do you get after you purchase it? A receipt. Now, if you go to Costco, you walk over and you have to present the receipt. Why? It's the guarantee that you bought what you bought. So you didn't slip a few other few things in the cart by accident. <laughs> now, there is one time I accidentally grabbed two things of uh, bacon and they were stuck together really tight. And I didn't know. I was so embarrassed. Uh, you only have you know, one here and you have two in your pop. So I had to go back and get it fixed up. It's also to check to see if the cashiers are doing the right thing, but it's a guarantee that what you purchased is there. Jesus's resurrection is the guarantee that all that he taught is true. It is true. And it is our guarantee that sin has been dealt with, that we belong to God's family and that we have purpose and significance and a plan for life. And in that there is hope. They responded in this living in light of the knowledge of the resurrection by gathering with fellow believers. See that connection, this connection is vital. We need it. And I encourage you, if you're not regularly connected to church, get connected. We need that interaction, that encouragement, that, that, that challenging with us, that help to, to burn brighter. Some of you may have, uh, may have charcoal fires today and cook some, mm, some good meat on the grill. And then you know when barbecue gets together and some of you use charcoal, you put them all together in a big heap and, and they burn really bright. You take one of those little charcoals and you put it by itself, it's gonna fizzle out fast. We need each other. These two, when they realized that Jesus, all the verification, the guarantee, all of the resurrection, they had to be with others to be encouraged and encourage them. You can be a great source of encouragement to others and others can be a great source of encouragement to you. Be with each other. As well, they sought to live life following Jesus, his teachings and his will and his way, being devoted to learning and practicing faith. You see, the very next book after the Bible book of Luke is the book of Acts. Actually, Luke wrote both Luke and Acts. And in the Bible book of Acts, it gives their story, the story after story of how they lived out their faith, aligning life to Jesus's way, telling others about the risen Jesus. And the truth is we can do. We can live in light of the truth of the resurrection For to take heart, the truth of Jesus' resurrection is life-giving and life-changing. All week we've been hearing it's true, feeling it's true, seeing it's true, and now 
knowing it's true, knowing that truth gives hope and life and help in life. It comes as we step into that aha moment where we know the details of the resurrection. We know God's story. We know Jesus and live in light of that knowledge for to take to heart the truth of Jesus's resurrection is life-giving and life-changing. The question is, is it for you? It can be. Whether you've been a believer for a long time or you're just on the road trying to figure it all out. Just take another step. Move forward in your faith. Get involved in a Bible study group. Uh, pick up some books. One book that I just, I'm, I'm almost, almost completed with this book. It's by Timothy Keller. It's called Hope in Times of Fear. The Resurrection and the Meaning of Easter. And it's not just a story of Easter. It's really talking about how to live in light of the truth of the resurrection. You will be blown away by the, the challenges and the encouragements of this book. And I'm looking forward to, to, to finishing it, but also reading it again and reading it with others. And I encourage you to pick that, pick it up. It'll be in the notes uh, online, but you can also take a look and just write down that title. It's also in the study guide. But take some steps. Live out this guarantee, this verification, the reality of the resurrection. Will you pray with me? Father God, um, thank you for the truth of your word. Thank you for the way that we can come on a Sunday, this wonderful Easter Sunday, and celebrate the truth, Jesus, that you did raise from the dead. Lord, there are just so many people who saw you alive recorded people who saw that you were very much breathing and they ate with you, they interacted with you, they talked with you. You weren't some apparition or some ghost that you could see through. It was your, the real live Jesus. They touched your physical body. Lord, that whole reality kind of blows us away. How is that possible? Well, God, you said it very clearly that nothing is impossible with you. And Lord, we know that this is the guarantee because it is so amazing that all of what you taught Jesus, all of what you did, paying the penalty for our sin on the cross, that we no longer have to bear that. So God, help us to live the lightened life because of that. We don't have to bear the burden of our issues. You took care of them on the cross. You actually took our shame on the cross. Lord, may we respond to you we pray this because of you, Jesus. Amen.